Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz, this time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune into exactly. what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, right. which is different than empathy, yeah. right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Christina Wallace. And I'm Kate Scott Campbell. And you're listening to The Limit Does Not Exist. A podcast for human Venn diagrams. Coming at you every single Monday. And hosted by us. It's Teacher Appreciation Week. Hooray! Which should really be Teacher Appreciation Month, year... Yeah, decade, lifetime... Yep, all the things that appreciate all the teachers. Yes. So in order to show our own appreciation for teachers and their integral roles in our development as lifelong learners, we decided to sit down with three of our listeners who are not only stellar math teachers, but human Venn diagrams in their own right. That's right. First up is 
Tori Raditz, a middle school math teacher and yearbook advisor from Crystal Lake, Illinois, who helps her students develop persistence and is not shy about sharing her own struggles with math. In fact, Mrs. Raditz, as she's known, is incredibly open and authentic with her students, both in the classroom and via Snapchat homework help. Yes. Next, you'll meet Emily Dennett, who's an assistant professor of math at Central Ohio Technical College, and she's also a PhD student at the Ohio State University, where she's studying STEM education. Emily has developed expertise in the flipped classroom approach, and she makes a point of getting to know her students as whole people, finding all kinds of creative ways to connect math to the other parts of their lives. And lastly, we're joined by Emily Hart, a middle school math teacher in Denver, Colorado, who is also an artist, photographer, adventurer, and blogger. In addition to teaching her own students, Emily also coaches fellow teachers. She's developed a great practice of balance by investing in hobbies and interests outside of teaching, and she emphasizes the importance of self-care to new teachers. Yes, so let's just go ahead and hear from and hear it for these three leaders of learning, shall we? Let's do it. Hey, Christina. Hey, Kate. Happy Teacher Appreciation Week. Woohoo! Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. I, you know, the math tutor in me says thank you. I will just go ahead I and know. put myself in that bucket. <laughs> <laughs> but I cannot uh, put myself in the same bucket as the guests that we have on today who are full-time teachers in every mm-hmm. sense of the word. I'm so excited, Christina, to talk with them. I am too. I mean, we, we've we known for a while that we have a lot of teachers among our listeners. Yes. Particularly among our very active listeners who like to tweet at us because we love that. Um, <laughs> and we, you know, full admission missed Teacher Appreciation Week last year. Uh. So this year we decided in penance, uh, that we were not <laughs> going to just talk about how much we appreciate teachers. We were going to talk to some of our favorite teachers uh, from our listenership and learn a little bit more about what makes them amazing teachers and thank them in person. Because I don't know about you, Kate, but I certainly had a handful of teachers that made a huge impact on my life. And uh, I don't entirely know if I've ever told them that. So... Apparently, I have some letters to write after this episode. Well, absolutely. So, yes, for all of the teachers out there who are listening and all of the lifelong learners, which I'm just going to put everyone else in that group, Mm -hmm. uh, this episode is for you and all of the teachers who have affected your lives. Mm -hmm. So, Christina, in lieu of writing letters for now, what is a verbal letter that you would like to give to a past teacher that you've had who made an impact on your life? Well, I, honestly, I would be remiss if I did not give a giant shout out to Mrs. Kamishki, Mrs. K, we called her, uh, who was my math teacher at Interlochen. Oh. Um, she was literally my one and only math teacher ever. Um, before college, uh, up until Interlochen, I was so many years ahead of my grade in math. And I went to such a small school that they basically would sit me in the corner with a textbook two to three grades ahead. And I taught myself and I never had a teacher. And then I got to junior year 
And I was at this art school and boom, my math teacher ends up being like one of the most important people in my entire education. Um, Mrs. K just like pushed me, especially through um, a year or two where math suddenly it wasn't hard per se, but it wasn't just super easy, which is what it had been up to that point. Mm. And for a while I thought, oh, maybe I'm not good at this anymore. Like, I don't know. I've never never had to work at math and suddenly I do and she's like um duh that's what happens when you get this far advanced in a concept like trust me it gets way more interesting now and uh roped me onto the math team and really helped me think about what I wanted to be uh in you know in life um I knew I didn't want to be a professional musician which is what most of the students at Interlochen you know that were music majors were thinking yeah but I never actually knew that math could be a thing that I could kind of pursue professionally so Mrs. K uh big big shout outs to you thank you for everything that is so so cool Oh my god. What gosh. about you, Kate? What uh what's a teacher that you should have probably written a letter to before and haven't yet? Or maybe you're better than me and you already have. I don't know. I as much as I am trying to bring letter writing back into my life, I have not done it yet. So okay. we're both um, we're both remiss. You know, tell me so... tell me about this person. Well, you know, this is so hard, Christina. I feel like this is our lightning round question esque <laughs> of shout out for a woman. It's like I know you have to like I know, I know. So oh pick gosh. the first one that comes to mind, and then we can be forgiven from thinking it's the only one that comes to mind. Well, you know what? Okay, so who I would love to recognize are, there have been a handful of teachers in my life who have not made me feel like, this is a negative framed as a positive, <laughs> who have not made me feel like I am remiss for wanting to jump ahead or learn at my own pace. You know, I'm a very, very avid, active learner. I love hard work. And there were a number of teachers who, and I get it, were like, hey, Kate, just come back here. We're all over here. You know, you can get <laughs> over here. But the very first teacher who let me go at my own pace was my kindergarten teacher. Her name was Sister Patricia. And, um, she actually, when I was in pre-K, found out that I could read and I was really, really bored in class to the point of like tears in preschool because, you know, I was like wanting to read books and that wasn't part of the preschool curriculum. <laughs> um, and Sister Patricia recognized that in me and she basically just had this little classroom in the back of the school. It was this like two room schoolhouse with a tiny little room in the back. And she would literally just like set me up there. I would read like the New York times online, not <laughs> online at the time. It was on those old like micro fiches. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, and then she would give me all these little extra jobs. Like I answered the phone and I would like do little things when everyone was doing stuff that I was like, okay, great. I got that. What can I do next? <laughs> And, you know, her just sort of recognizing in me that I had this like, you know, rampant curiosity um, and really kind of just letting me go yeah. was such an incredible gift. And she did it without making me feel like a weirdo and without making the other students feel like, you know, they should be going at whatever pace I was yeah, going yeah. at. Um, and then flash forward to grad school and my MFA program to a teacher I had and uh, 
still talk with a lot. His name is Jim Winker and he was my Shakespeare teacher. And I used Mm -hmm. to kind of get a lot of flack in grad school for like, you know, Kate, just relax, do less. You don't have to work as hard. And I remember after a faculty evaluation, he came up to me and he was like, Kate, I get it. You like to work hard. And if you ever feel like you don't have anyone to work hard with, just come find me and I will work with you. I will you know, do the sonnet a million times with you or whatever. So I just like to single out those two teachers for seeing me, which is such an incredible Letting you be your inner nerd. Letting me be my inner nerd and my inner weirdo (laughs) and not making me feel like I have to apologize for it. What a gift, right? What a gift. I just, as you were telling the story of like reading the New York Times on microfiche, (laughs) I missed the part where you were no longer talking about being in preschool and being able to read. And I'm not even joking for a legit second and a half. I thought you were talking about the fact that you read the New York Times on microfiche in preschool. And I was like, holy crap. I have been in the presence of genius for two years and I didn't even know. I mean, I was like four. I, my mom like was, re- my mom's a librarian. And so when I was like a baby, she put all these words on everything around the house. And so I just learned to read like before most people do, or maybe should, you know, like learn to read. And so, and it was like a party trick. Like my older brother's friends would always come up to me and like hand me a book and be like, go read it. And I would read it. And then they'd all be like, what? You know, I just, forever I'm gonna have this image of like a (laughs) four-year-old Kate in red pigtails yeah reading the New York Times on microfiche in the back of of a two-room schoolhouse with a nun (laughs) involved it's just there's a whole like I mean that's very accurate going on in my head um (laughs) enough about us and our wonderful teachers it is time to talk to some of the amazing teachers who are listeners of The Limit Does Not Exist and Amazing human Venn diagrams in their own right. Mm-hmm. First up, we have Tori Raditz from Crystal Lake, Illinois, who teaches middle school math. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. 
We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune into what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together. We'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, 
Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Tori. Hi. Hi. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Tori, we are so excited to have you on the show. And uh, before we jump in to talk about you, could you clear something up about Chicago pizza for us? <laughs> well, the only good place to get deep dish in Chicago is Lou Malnati's. And I know, I know it's a casserole. It is. I'm glad that you have that got. understanding. <laughs> I'm snapping my fingers. Well, Tori, <laughs> I'm going to call you the expert since you are coming at us from Crystal Lake, Illinois. So vicinity-wise, you win. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> right. I mean, I'm just saying if you need to eat it with a fork, it is not pizza. But it is hearty. <laughs> and you know it's cold here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, is that an official fork rule made by you, Christina? Is it that... is. I mean, it's gotcha. by everyone, but I I like to enforce it. You oh. know, it's fair though. You you need to have a hearty meal to like give you the energy you need because you teach middle school math. I do, which is just like. <laughs> If I could ship you a, a gold medal right now to just wear around your neck, yes. I would. Bless you, middle school. Um, yes. Why middle school? And what's your favorite concept to teach in middle school? Because you've taught a couple of different grades. I think right now you teach, what, sixth grade? Right now I'm uh, six. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your favorite math concept? Uh, and also, why did you choose that age? <laughs> well... I chose middle school uh, because it's the worst. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't like it when I was there. I, for a million dollars, would not want to be a middle school student again. But I think that it's just this beautiful combination of, you know, they're still kids, but they want to be adults. They're trying to create themselves, but they're still so impressionable. So there's a really unique opportunity to guide them and help them become, you know, learners and people. And um, my passion is working with students who don't love math, (laughs) to put it mildly. And if you're looking for kids who are not uh, favoring math, middle school is a great place to find them. So, Tori, were you a kid who didn't love math or had a tough experience with math? What sort of led you down the path to teach it? Yeah, I felt like I was the kid who did not do well with math. I was always in honors classes, but I felt like I was the kid who didn't belong there. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was a lot of imposter syndrome, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and I worked really hard to be there and to keep that place uh, where I came from, a family that did really well with math. My dad, it comes so naturally, and there would be so much frustration there when I needed help that... He had a hard time breaking it down for me. Mm. And because I felt like I had a hard time, I found I had it easier to break it down for my students. I can make Mm -hmm. it relatable and accessible for them. Tori, I think I agree with you that that time, at least in my own experience of middle school, often feels like it's this time where, you know, it's it's almost easy to fall off the wagon of STEM, right? Like, Mm -hmm. 
encountered with a concept that's just too tough or, you know, people are starting to say around you or to you if you're in middle school, oh, this is tough. I don't want to do this. And that messaging can be prevalent. You know, what do you do if you feel like there's a there's a student in your classroom who's kind of, you know, fallen off the math train? What do you do to kind of help help them stay on it and stay engaged? Well, that actually goes back to your other question, which is my favorite concept to teach is not actually a mathematical concept so much as I love to teach perseverance and problem solving. Oh, you generalize to everything for the rest of your life. And math Mm -hmm. is hard. (laughs) Math is hard. And that's okay. Because we do hard things. Yeah. And they get better when we don't give up on them. And I will admit to my students that math has been hard for me, that there have been classes that I have been so frustrated that I have, you know, thrown my notebook and cried and felt mm. like I can't do this. <laughs> but then I dry my tears and I pick up my notebook and I, I do this. Yeah. And that you know, I won't give up on you if you won't give up on you. And frankly, I won't give up on you even if you do give up on you. <laughs> but, you know, we're in this together. Let's yeah. figure this out. What can you do? What resources do you have? Let's try it again. Let's see where you've been. You know, we can do this. Don't quit. And I will have students come back, you know, years later and tell me that they loved my class or they loved me because I always believed in them even when they didn't believe in themselves. Oh. Okay, I'm crying. I know. I, oh my gosh. I Tori. Mean, this is why Teacher Appreciation Week exists. And honestly, it should be more than a week. Um, yes. I just, I love that you are open with them, that you were challenged by it too. You yes. know, like to be able to model for them that adults are don't have it all figured out. Like mm-hmm. we struggle with things too. We persevere too. And like, just because you don't get it right the first time doesn't mean you're terrible and have no chance, which I think was was sort of my understanding of most things going through school was like, <laughs> when you're an adult, you'll have it all figured out. And my struggle with anything means I am, you know, not good enough or I, I don't have a, a chance of ever figuring it out. And that's just so great that you you are open and and kind of vulnerable about that, too. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So. You do a couple other things in the school beyond just teaching math. What are what are the some of like the clubs and the the activities that you support in school? Uh, and you know, do you secretly like try to you know bring bring some math lessons into those, <laughs> those activities? Uh, well, I have always done the yearbook at school. Mm. I took a hiatus from it this year because I was gone for part of the year on maternity leave. Oh, um, congratulations. Yeah. Um, but I've done yearbook since I was actually in high school. And so I was super excited to get to do that as a teacher, you know, to be on the other side of it. I love mm-hmm. photography. I love the documenting, you know, of life and remembering it and, and having that memento. And I love getting to work with students away from the math classroom too, because it gave me more access to kids who didn't necessarily have me in math to still, you know, be a role model or, you know, have an an impact on them. So that's always been really great. Mm -hmm. And then that has trickled over. Yearbook is actually what pushed me to start connecting with my kids on social media. So like my Instagram, my Snapchat, they are Mrs. Raditz so that my kids can get a hold of me and they're for them. So I post things on there and I post math things on there and I will have my kids 
messaging me. Uh, they'll, they'll send me Snapchat videos or Instagram messages <laughs> when they're struggling with their homework. You know, Mrs. Raditz, I don't get this. I need help. Here's what I'm doing. You know, where am I messing up? And I will send them little mini lesson videos back. And like, okay, I see you did this part here. This is really good. Look, you're doing good. Why don't we double check this part? Or what do you think comes next? So it's like tutoring via social media. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And, and like school and parents and everyone's chill with this. They're, they're psyched. Like I won't lie. It's more of a forgiveness (laughs) than permission kind of thing. (laughs) Got it. That is so fantastic. You are such a modern teacher, but what I love about that too is, is that you're, you're, you're making yourself available throughout their process. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. But you're meeting them where they're having conversations with their friends. So better that than how most of my, my friends who are teachers, which is like, everything's on lockdown and they use their middle name, not their last name. So their students can't (laughs) find them. And they spend all their time in fear. Their students will find them on social media. And you're like, no, we're just going to take a whole different approach. And Make, make myself available. That's amazing. And they see like pictures of our pet turtles or pictures of you know, my daughter and, and they love that. They, why yeah. not? Those were part of my life and they see that and that's, you know, they have siblings, they have pets. They love to talk about those things and connect with those things and comment on those things. There's nothing on there that they can't see. Right. Well, Tori, I feel like that really aligns with what you were talking about earlier, where you talk about the struggles you had with math. I'm so taken by this sort of demystifying of yourself as an adult and as a person um, that really seems to be a through line for you. And I think that's such a huge, huge supporting factor in being able to have real connections, you know, with your students as a human to a human. I mean, I'm astonished by this. I think I ran into one of my teachers at the mall once in middle school and I was like, wait, right. Go to the mall. And it really threw me off that they were also a person. And I feel like (laughs) exactly kids these days don't even know how good they've got it. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's true. (laughs) So Tori, your, your first certification was in special education, which is so fascinating. What sort of drew you to study special education and um, what kind of concepts, you know, from your work in special education continue to affect uh, the work you do as a math teacher? Uh, actually, your book started me in special education. So oh, when I was in high school, really? our yearbook advisor uh, was and still is. She's still the yearbook advisor and she still is a special education teacher. And our office was down near uh, the special ed offices. And so I got like a front row seat almost to watching her interact with students. And the a lot a lot of times they were students that other teachers, you know, had given up on or they had given up on themselves and mm-hmm. uh, they hated school, but they loved her and they mm-hmm. were excited to see her and um, interact with her and, and happy to be in her class. And I just thought, I want to do that. I, I want to work with kids who don't want to be here and give them something to be excited about and make a difference when no one else thinks that they can. Mm-hmm. And so that was why I started and I went to school to be a special ed teacher. And I was, uh, and I ta- started teaching special ed math in my district. And then about four years in, they decided to mainstream all of the special ed students into gen ed classes and get rid of the special ed 
uh, classes, like mm-hmm. the small classes. And I mm-hmm. said, but I want to teach still. <laughs> and so I went and got my master's and got certified for general education math and went and taught in the general classroom. So I would have all the special ed kids, but I would also have regular ed kids. Wow. And then I went and got some more after my master's and I got ELL certification so I could work with all the kids who are English language learners, which is a huge population in my district Mm -hmm. uh, because they are also struggling learners who need extra help and extra support. And a lot of the stuff that you learn as a special ed teacher when you work with kids with learning difficulties or behavior difficulties apply to students with language difficulties or apply to students who just aren't labeled, but Mm -hmm. they are having troubles. And Mm -hmm. it all just works together really, really well. Wow. You are... Incredible. I know. <laughs> if you just have such a, a, a you know, a growth mindset, which a good thing to have as a teacher, I suppose. Yes. Um, but I think, you know, back to Kate's point, you just I feel like you model so many of the kind of mindsets and behaviors that you want your students to have, which is an amazing thing. Um, and someone who's always learning as an adult and as a human is going to be such a great role model for kids to understand that learning is part of what we do forever and not just what we do in school. That is definitely a goal. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, and I think, you know, as you know, we talk about curiosity a lot on our show. I'm just so struck by how curious you are about your students and all kinds of styles of learning, learning challenges. I just so wish I could beam myself into your classroom (laughs) and be 12 years old again. (laughs) Thank you. Well, Tori, we unfortunately are out of time, but we want to tell you that we appreciate you on this Teacher Appreciation Week. Thank you for everything you do. And thank you for being part of the Limit Does Not Exist family. Thank you for having me on the Limit Does Not Exist. (laughs) (laughs) It has been such a pleasure. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thank you so, so much. And uh, we look forward to hearing as many classroom updates as you ever want to share with us. <laughs> Stay tuned. We will. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Before we meet our next teacher, we want to give a shout out to one of our fantastic sponsors. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. 
We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together. We'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, A military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. i never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, 
Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Next up, we're going to talk with Emily Dennett, who is an assistant professor of mathematics at Central Ohio Technical College in Newark, Ohio. And she's also currently a PhD student in the STEM education program at The Ohio State University. So let's talk to Emily. Hey, Emily. Hi. Hi. Welcome to the show. Thanks. It's great to be here. Oh, my gosh. Emily, I'm just going to say it. We have such a teacher crush on you from mm-hmm. Twitter. And, and I would also say a human Venn diagram crush on you, too. From everything that we have seen and that you shared with us on Twitter, we are so excited to ask you a little bit more about all of the amazing work you're doing as a teacher. Thanks. This feels great because I'm always listening to you guys and you don't hear me talk back. So, you know, now you get to. Now yeah. we get to. So, okay. You've been a like early and and loyal listener. You've been in conversation with us on Twitter for so many episodes. And the first tweet that I think I remember super clearly from you was a photo of a Venn diagram that you were going to use on your first day of class. Yeah. You teach a community college and you wanted to help understand kind of what other parts of your students that there were because they're human Venn diagrams and to help them connect math to make it relevant and interesting to them. And it just blew me away because it was everything I always wanted teachers to do and no one ever did. How did you decide to do this? And what was the reaction? Yeah, so some of it was I've always tried to get to know my students like early on because I want them to know that they can kind of bring their whole selves to the classroom. You know, I don't just see them as empty brains to be filled with math. And um, so some of it was listening to your show and thinking about Venn diagrams. Um And so in the past, I've just had them like answer questions on a note card and turn it in. But I wanted something that they could think about math while they did it and share with each other. So, um, you know, I've done it a few times and we get out the markers and, (laughs) you know, we talk about what the intersections mean. And, you know, the first day of class, um, sometimes they don't know where the intersections are. So it's something just to get to know them and to see what they're interested in so then throughout the class and throughout the semester, I can pull in things that I've learned about them and, you know, share just, sometimes it's not even about math, but share interesting things, just get to know them as people, um, and then help them connect math both to their technical field, their programs that they're in, as well as um, to their lives. Speaking of your classroom, Emily, you have expertise in the flipped classroom. Tell us a little bit about that teaching style. Yeah, so the basic idea is that um, the content is delivered outside of the class, and then inside of class, we're actually doing math. And so I've made videos of what I used to give as lectures, um, and the Mm -hmm. students know exactly kind of what videos they're supposed to watch before they come to class. And then we spend the whole class period in small groups working through problems, and I get to go around and just talk math with them, which is just the best part about the job. Oh, that's wow. And did you have, is this been always the way that you've taught or did you make that switch consciously? Um, Yeah, it's not how I've always, I started out like most teachers do teaching the way I was taught math, you know, Mm -hmm. like I was up at the front 
some trying sometimes trying to put in corny jokes, but you know, just <laughs> talking most of the class. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, first a few semesters, I really felt that like I there were always some students that I felt felt like didn't get my attention or I didn't know what they were thinking. Mm-hmm. And um, so we had a great speaker come to COTC where I teach and talk about it and kind of in the middle of the talk, I just thought like, I can see this working really well in my class. Mm. And so it's been out three years now and um, I wouldn't want to go back to any other way. Really? Wow. How, how big is your class size on average? Um, With the flip class, we've kept it to about 24 so that Mm -hmm. um, I can go around and talk to every student several times throughout a class period. Mm -hmm. And is this something that you had to kind of, you know, get the rest of the college on board with? And even in yourself, was there an adjustment period for you to make the change? Yeah, sure. Um, So luckily, I had a really supportive administrator at the time. Um, He was at the talk. And when I was leaving that talk, I said, you know, on Monday, I'm going to have ideas for you. And it just so happened I had like my yearly evaluation meeting. And so I went in with a PowerPoint about like how this could work at COTC mm-hmm. and oh really supportive. And luckily we had a lot of videos made already for our online classes. So I adapted those and then um, I created um, in-class activities. And so it also still takes time for the students to get used to it every semester because mm. I was thinking they're going to like sit there and listen. <laughs> and um, in some ways, you know, the first couple of times it can be uncomfortable talking about math with other people. Um, sure. But once they get into it, um, they they learn a lot from each other and from me. And it's really great. So what That's I awesome. love about this, so you teach at, you know, a technical college, but you're also getting your PhD in STEM education. So you are a student and also a teacher simultaneously. Uh, what do you want to do with your doctorate? Why Why are you going the full PhD path? And what do you think you'll do when you're done? Yeah, that's a great question and one that I don't have a simple and elegant answer to. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you can workshop it with us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I feel incredibly lucky that I get to, you know, be a student and just study something just because it's what I've been curious about. Like, how do students learn math and how do people teach math? And so I don't know where I'm going and, you know, it'll, it'll take at least three or four years for me to finish my PhD, mm-hmm. um, but I'm really enjoying um just researching. Um, I've, I've got a project about using augmented reality to teach about gender stereotypes to pre-service mm. teachers. Wow. Um, and then I'm also really interested in how parents talk to really young children about math. We encourage them to read like at bedtime and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but how can we encourage them to do math with their kids as well before they go to school? I mean, oh that's so important, especially all the messages that parents maybe unintentionally give to their kids on I'm bad at math. This is really hard. Ugh, I don't like numbers and like just tons of baggage that I don't think parents are, are even aware sometimes. Yeah. The research has shown that it can like rub off on kids as like early as age five. So, wow, you know, it's really yeah. important for them to start realizing that, you know, they all have math brains early on. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you're preaching to the choir, but yeah. yes. Yes, absolutely. Emily, what was modeled to you? Were you, you know, always curious about math or did you struggle? Did you have supportive teachers? Did you not? What kind of led you to, you know, this calling of teaching math and STEM? 
Yeah. Um, so I don't remember a time I wasn't interested in math. Um, my dad yeah. was always playing logic games with me, like, you know, <laughs> even tic-tac-toe talking about strategy and, um, you know, all sorts of logic games. And, you know, my mom never considered herself a math person, but she would still talk to us about like statistics. You know, like I remember sitting around the dining room table and her telling us that, you know, basically talking about how correlation doesn't imply causation, but telling us that, you know, you could say that everyone who eats pickles dies, right? And like this had a, you know, I never ate pickles again, but, you know, there's a point that you just have to like, you know, be informed, you know, to be a citizen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So what led you to teaching math? You know, when I was thinking about you know, what I was going to major in in college, I, I had all these different ideas. And finally, it was my mom who just said, you know, you're always talking about math. You know, maybe you should think about that. And then teaching is just something that has kind of always been something I've wanted to do and found natural. And so that's where I am. Did you have teachers that that you looked to as role models when you were deciding to become a teacher? Or was it some, maybe a lack of a good teacher that, that drove you to that profession? Yeah, I had a lot of really great teachers. I had a fourth grade teacher, um, Dr. Hinton, who um, brought STEM into the classroom all the time. And even in the early 90s, we had um, an internet connected computer in the classroom. And I remember following the Iditarod, you know, like (laughs) as a fourth grader, and it was just really cool. And then I had an amazing AP calculus teacher. And so, you know, I had some great role models. Well, so earlier you mentioned, Emily, how, you know, getting to know your students early on helps you make connections later on, you know, Mm -hmm. down the course of the class. And so as someone who has, or it sounds like who has had a natural curiosity about math your whole life, what do you do when a student walks into your classroom who doesn't have that? You know, what might be an example of how you might seek to engage him or her? Yeah, um, sometimes it's just recognizing that, especially with adult students, a lot of times they've had kind of bad experiences with math in the past. So sometimes it's Mm -hmm. giving them some space to realize, like, they don't have to love it as much as I do when they walk in, and that's okay. Mm. Um, And then it's also, like, you know, getting to know what they like and sometimes just talking to them, you know, not about math, but just as a student, and then showing them that they can think about math and letting them talk through a problem and figure it out Mm. um, can help. Yeah. What is a concept that you really love teaching or one that you're really curious about as a student, either or? Calc one is my favorite thing to teach. It's just really, you know, even though I always loved math, calculus is where I like really fell in love with it. And I just like limits and derivatives and the way that you can take small pieces of things and then find out about functions as a larger whole. I find really fascinating. So just getting to introduce, you know, like you learn all of this algebra to be ready for calculus. Mm -hmm. And so to being able to introduce those brand new ideas to students, I think is just really fun. Oh my gosh, I really need to be in your classroom because calculus <laughs> is where I sort of started to fall off the wagon. And then it was, it was when I came back to tutor math that I really, you know, really kind of relearned it on on my own. But oh my gosh, would I love for you to teach me calculus. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't even believe that we are out of time. Unfortunately, we are. But I am... 
just absolutely delighted that you are teaching. You are bringing such a great example um, of, you know, a wonderful teacher who's interested in your whole self of your students and, you know, really letting the flipped classroom thrive. I mean, it's such an interesting model. I never got to experience it myself, but I've seen it from a teaching perspective and it's such an engaging way, I think, especially for adult learners um, that I love that you're doing it. So we appreciate you. Emily <laughs> <Thanks>. Dennett. <laughs> <laughs> we do, Emily. Thank you so much for keeping us posted on all that you're up to on Twitter at Emily Ann Dennett. Please continue to keep us posted. We just love, love, love following your teaching career. It's so exciting. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks, Emily. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bye. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together. We'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, 
a military-trained seduction spy, reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I've never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Uh, thank God for the limits. Every time I have a, one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Last but not least, we have Emily Hart, who is a middle school math teacher in Denver, Colorado. She's also an artist, a photographer, an explorer, a blogger. You know what? Let's just have her explain what she's been up to. Hey, Emily. Hi. Hi. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Emily, we are so excited to have you on the show for many reasons, which... A bunch of them were shared with us in this fantastic letter that was sent to us by your friend, Alyssa. You're not only a math teacher, but you're also an artist and an explorer. And that in addition to teaching math, which we're going to ask you all about, you have decided to visit all of the United States National Parks by 2025. And that you also (laughs) paint portraits and landscapes of note is a collection of steam stars that's in your classroom, which we Mm -hmm. have to hear about. And so we are just so excited to have you. Thank you. You have okay. taught math in Louisiana and mm-hmm. Colorado, if if mm-hmm. uh, I read your bio correctly. Um, yes. What what grades, what levels do you teach um, or have you taught? I've taught 6 through 12, but usually 7th grade, 8th grade. Right now I'm teaching 7th and 8th grade. 
And then I'm an instructional coach, so I sort of work with all the math teachers in the school, and we're a K-12 school. So oh, that's awesome. Like observations and that sort of thing. So what led you to teaching? Well, I was in graduate school for sociology, actually, mm-hmm. and I went to New Orleans on just on like a volunteer trip after Hurricane Katrina, and all of my friends there at the time were teachers like they had come down after the hurricane Mm -hmm. new orleans is a really interesting like case study of charter schools and like rebuilding a school system Mm -hmm. and so i hung out with all these teachers and it was they were so like passionate about what they were doing that i looked into a teaching program like an alternative certification program Mm -hmm. and uh i interviewed in new orleans and then they offered me a job in Shreveport. So I just moved there. And I guess because I had a lot of credits in math, they chose that for me. Oh, it was really like the perfect, the perfect thing. Cause I didn't, I didn't really have anything that I would prefer, but now like looking back, it's like, that's the only thing I would, would ever want to teach. Um, I can't imagine, you know, teaching anything else and being as passionate about it. That's amazing. That is so cool. What is uh, something that you really love to teach in math? Mm, I like right now we're doing like statistics and probability. And I really like that because I think it has a lot of real world Mm -hmm. application and you can play a lot of like fun games. Today we had like paper, rock, scissor wars (laughs) like to compare theoretical and experimental probabilities. And so it's a lot more, um, I think it's more engaging for the kids and it's also usually ends up at the end of the year. It's usually like the last unit. So you can kind of do more projects and just have more fun. Mm -hmm. That is so cool. So, so this national parks project Mm -hmm. that I'm just going to call it this, (laughs) this uh, commitment to visit all of the national parks. This is incredible. What led you to deciding to do this? And do you talk about it or share it with your students? Is this something that you bring into the classroom or not? Yeah, well, my classroom is called Math Park, so we oh are my gosh, <laughs> we are a national park, and we have that's we awesome. have, um, Junior Ranger badges. And oh my gosh, <laughs> obsessed! Like so nerd squared is what you're saying. Something, yeah. Like each of the units are like decimal desert and stuff like that. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I don't. Um, for seventh graders, it's like they're still young enough that they kind of they get into the theme and I have a lot of pictures around the classroom like they know that I travel a lot um I don't think they know like the extent of it um I didn't really start doing it until three years ago Mm. my uncle my great uncle was also a math teacher and uh, he passed away a few years ago and at his uh, like in his stories everyone was telling about him afterwards they would always talk about how he would go to the Grand Canyon all the time like on his in the summer Mm. so I thought like I should go to the Grand Canyon (laughs) like we have a lot in common and all these other things Mm -hmm. like I want to see what that's all about so I went during spring break one year just drove from um in Denver I drove for the week and just really like fell in love with the whole with everything about it really not just the nature but like the the road trip aspect is everything. And so from then, I just continued to go to a lot of national parks. And then when I got to like 10 or 12, I decided like that was a big enough number. I needed to make it a goal um, to visit all of them. 
And how did you pick 2025 as the goal? Did you do some forward projection planning of like, this is how how many years it's going to take? Or you just picked a nice round number and worked back from that? Well, I started in 2015 and that was when I turned 30. So I thought by the time I'm 40, I should probably (laughs) have that wrapped up. (laughs) I like it. Good round numbers. You're an explorer, you're a blogger, you're an artist and a photographer. What are the themes that connect your work, your passion? Do you do you have a thread that kind of connects all these interests or are these all just different aspects of you that you get to express in different ways? I mean, I think both. I think especially with teaching, it's so you can get burnt out so easily. I think it's so Mm. important just to have other hobbies. And that's like I mentor a lot of other teachers and that's something I always So my number one piece of advice is to have things outside of work. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. like you're probably not going to enjoy your work. So I think it started more as that. But I think definitely, I think two things I see the connection is like just freedom, like teaching. There's a lot of freedom in that. Like I'm in charge of everything all day, Mm -hmm. pretty much like I control like these over a hundred kids, you know, experience with math every day, Mm -hmm. which is like a lot of independence, which I like and freedom and creativity. And then also travel is the same way. Like I can go where I want. I always travel pretty much by myself so I can Mm. go where I want when I want. And then art, you know, obviously is completely just self-expression. So I think independence Mm -hmm. and freedom in that way, but also just like the math part, um, it's just, it's all patterns. Like mm. nature is all a pattern. Math is all patterns. That's all it is. That's what I tell the kids. It's like art is all a pattern. And if you can start to recognize that, like in your life, um, math and all of these things are so much easier to understand if you can recognize the pattern. Well, speaking of patterns, I have to ask this because I took yeah. a look at your Instagram at Emily Ventures. It's incredible. There's all these amazing nature photos in it and you and national parks. There also is an incredible series of photos of you wearing what I'm guessing you wear <laughs> yeah. when you teach, which are these, Christina, you need to look this up immediately. Oh my goodness. Tell me. <laughs> which are these incredible dresses. Mm-hmm. One is a collection of books. One is a newspaper. One has cacti all over it. And <laughs> you are in your classroom. You have to be the most creatively dressed teacher at your school. And if not at many yes. schools, <laughs> talk about that. What is, what is your um, Oh my goodness. Okay. I just, I looked them up while you were talking. Just they are incredible. amazing. I and, mean, wow. Yeah. I mean, I, that started All of this kind of started around the same time. I think when I was about to turn 30, I was just like, I got to do some new stuff. (laughs) And (laughs) I I got just a couple of these, like Miss Frizzle, obviously, is an inspiration. Yes. Um, But I think especially for math and like seventh grade, I used to teach all girls. So I think like the motivation that way, like I've a lot of my just teaching is like, how do you motivate kids? And it started Mm -hmm. out when I was just teaching all girls. Um, to be interested in math and like to middle school is where like the slide there always happens with math and it's Mm -hmm. like how can Mm -hmm. it be just more interesting so I think I mean one of the things I always say is like my core value is whimsy and just like fun I love that bringing fun to the classroom and even if they don't 
like anything that we're doing like we the classroom is like there's just crap there's crap everywhere like like, (laughs) other teachers like your room is like oh too much it's like overstimulating I'm like but I think for a seventh grader that's what they need yeah and then with the dresses it's like they hopefully think it's at least interesting to come to class and like want to see what I'm what weird thing I'm doing like we (laughs) (laughs) like a crime scene and we have just weird things like that all the time and I'm like shrink like we did honey I shrunk the kids and I have like a shrink gray so I would shrink them and then like blow them up and all this stuff in class and just trying to make it more fun and I think the clothes just make me feel like I can have more fun and then they have more fun yeah I mean it's not that you need more hobbies but if you wanted to do like a capsule collection of super adorable (laughs) yet kind of nerdy dresses I think you could do it I'm just I'm putting it out into the universe Mod cloth, give her a call. Yeah. Like, I think this could be one of your calling. I'm just, I want to raise the flag as an option. <laughs> I, I love it. I mean, like half my closet is just like pattern dresses. It's like I can never stop teaching. Like, what will I do? <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, just walk around like a champion in your clothes. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. but. But yes, you you clearly are an incredible teacher. I, I'm so curious. You mentioned that you teach other teachers and advise other teachers. What's something that you really try to impart to them? Or what's is there sort of a common challenge that you try to figure out and address together? I mean, I think just for teachers in general, because I work with not just math teachers, I think mm-hmm. just balance, it's like a work-life balance. So like mm-hmm. I was saying, like having other hobbies, I think, especially for second year teachers, it's such a like idealistic profession. And you think like I'm helping children and like I need to be spending like 16 hours a day at work and I need to do all of these things above and beyond. And then you can see it in the morning, like these new teachers, they're just like dragging and like you can mm-hmm. tell they're not taking care of themselves or like eating right or sleeping and don't really do anything outside of school for a couple years. And it's and so many teachers quit in the first few years. And I think it's because like your, their work-life balance isn't Mm -hmm. not that you can ever really have like a good balance. It always goes back and forth, but Mm -hmm. I think keeping like your own yourself and like Mm self-care is important. Like I always feel like I come to work and then I leave work and I don't take anything with me. And I still have like, obviously I've been teaching for a long time. It's easier, but even when I first started, I didn't really take things home like if I needed to do mm. more work I would stay but if it was mm-hmm. too much I just stop like mm. it's not worth it because I can't bring my best self you know to class and you have this collection of art according to your friend Alyssa um of of steam stars tell, yeah. tell us about that I have this a steam star gallery in my classroom oh my gosh and- there are paintings, let me see, Grace Hopper, obviously. Um, <laughs> yes, obviously. <laughs> like Albert Einstein, Ada Lovelace, a few other people, Jane Goodall, just different people that I've painted their portraits. And then underneath it, I put a little like bio of them for the kids to look at. And then in the middle, there's just a mirror and it says you. So like they're a steam star, you know, also. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. It's like cheesy, but I love it. I'm totally I mean, obsessed. No, it's funny because um, the kids they look at it all the time and then it's like it took months for one kid to be like did you paint those <laughs> like yeah and then they're all like what 
<laughs> well, and I love that, you know, that there is art in a math classroom. It sounds yeah. really simple, but uh, yeah. simple and profound are not mutually exclusive. We appreciate so much what you do as yes. a teacher. And yeah. we are so grateful that you are in the classroom and that you are helping train other teachers Thank you for what you are doing and uh, keep it up. I am going to be following you on Instagram. I'm going to be getting some of those dresses and I'm super psyched <laughs> to follow your travels. You are just an amazing human Venn diagram. So yes. thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Emily. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Christina, I am just feeling all of the feels right now. <laughs> I, it's a little bit of like jealousy that I can't go back to school and yeah. have these amazing women as my teacher and also like hope for the future that these amazing teachers exist. It's a little bit of both. I, I, I agree with you on all the feels. Yes, it just is such a wonderful reminder of all of the good work that um, is being done by teachers in schools. And so guys, if you are someone who's teaching or there's someone you know who's teaching and you want to put them on our radar, please tweet at us at Admiral Hopper or write us an email at humanvendiagram.com. We want to know about all of this awesome life-changing work <laughs> it's true and find a teacher and tell them you appreciate them this week yes. they are doing such amazing work and quite frankly do not get paid what they are worth um i'm just putting that out there so thank you teachers yes. for for doing this and uh we appreciate you we um, appreciate you. Yes. In the vein of Teacher Appreciation Week, I wrote us a little teacher-themed lightning round, Kate. Uh, Are you up for it? Yes. Well, since I can't go back to seventh grade, <laughs> I will just instead beam right here into the present lightning round. Let's do it. <laughs> you can do it. Okay, from the very top, question one, what are you reading or potentially listening to right now? Oh my gosh. I just picked up a book that I am so excited to read. I have to say I've read five pages of it and <laughs> I'm really excited about it already. It's called You Are a Dream, an Introduction to the Creative Dreaming Method by Guillaume Wolf, who also goes by Prof, short for Professor G. And he teaches at Art Center in Pasadena, California, which is an incredible place, not far down the road from me. But I've had a number of friends recommend it to me. And it's just looks like he's developed his own kind of interesting approach to, um, you know, mapping out goals and all that stuff through a really creative lens. So I just can't wait to sink my teeth into it. It's gonna be great. That's amazing. Okay. Yeah, I'll yeah, report that. To my short list. Yes. Uh, what about you, Christina? Okay, so you cannot laugh at me, but I actually, <laughs> this is such a good book that I'm not only admitting that I read it, but I'm recommending it. So yes. uh, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, if you yes. watch that amazing show, um, he, John Oliver wrote a children's book called A Day in the Life of Marlon Bundo. Oh, that and sounds awesome. It is an amazing children's book. Um, Marlon Bundo is uh, a bunny and the bunny is actually, that is the name of Vice President Pence's bunny. Um, this book was inspired by 
that bunny. Uh, but effectively, the story is about Marlon Bundo, a very special boy bunny who falls in love with another boy bunny and all the different ways that love can can, you know, bubble up in your life and what joy uh, can be found in that love. So I love it. All of the proceeds of the book go to the Trevor Project and AIDS United. And uh, it's a really great children's book. I bought it as a joke and it arrived and I read it and it's hilarious and really sweet. So I'm going to be gifting that to my nephews and also buying another copy for me. Oh my gosh. I have to say as the daughter of a young adult librarian, like most of what I read outside of of sort of my standard selections are children's books. Children's literature is such an incredible genre in and of itself. That's so exciting. There you go. Marlon Bundo. Very, Uh, very cool. Okay. Kate, question two. What's one thing you want to teach to someone this summer? Hmm. Well, thinking about the children theme, I was thinking about my nephews, Benny and Dylan. They're fantastic. Mm -hmm. Okay. I feel like Benny is a very mini version of me as a child. He's like very (laughs) expressive and like very out there. And just like he walks through life saying hello to everybody. He's very creative. Mm -hmm. Um, And recently I've returned to my love of tap dancing. So maybe I'll teach Benny a few tap moves. I feel like that would blow his mind. He's he's uh three years old i feel like he would love it (laughs) uh amazing i am all about that (laughs) what about you christina what's one thing you want to teach someone this summer well so on my official list of things to teach people this summer i have a couple of uh employees at bionic who are really interested in learning about public speaking and how to be better at public speaking and so I have put together a little bit of a a test curriculum that they're going to be my my guinea pigs in like this eight week little mini course on how to do public speaking better, how to how to speak. Oh. Good. Uh, so that's my official kind of teaching activity. But I think you've also inspired me to think about what are some of the things I love and who are the children near me that I can teach them to? <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. You know, I taught public speaking in grad school. I love it. I have a whole curriculum. Well, if you need I might, tips. I might check in with you to see, uh, <laughs> see what's missing from mine. What is a recent addition to or reactivation of something in your personal human Venn diagram? I love this question. Thank you. You know, we talk about seasonality. We can turn things off and reactivate. Yes. Uh, So the big one for me right now, uh, Chaz and I got a digital piano. I have not had a piano in my home since I left for boarding school. Um, I, I didn't even realize how much I missed not having a piano just like there, you know? Mm-hmm. And so our big splurge uh, a couple months ago was to get a really high quality digital piano that, you know, New York apartments, you can also plug in headphones to and not annoy your neighbors. Oh, right. And I have pulled out all of my old repertoire. I mean, I've been moving a solid 100, 150 music books every time I've moved since I was 15. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now it's time to get that music back in my fingers. So yes. I'm putting myself on a summer piano practicing regimen to like get my basic repertoire back into fighting shape. 
Oh my gosh. Did I, I don't know if I told you that I recently inherited the only thing I've ever inherited, which is my grandmother's piano and it's in our living room and it needs a lot of work. You know, it's very old, but you are inspiring me to, you know, get it all dusted up and tuned up and join you in in learning the piano for the first time. (laughs) So Kate, what is a recent addition to or reactivation of something in your personal human Venn diagram? Well, I just kind of mentioned it, but I'm going to just say it because it's very true is tap I love tap dancing I always have Um, you know it's something that I just find very relaxing because like matching intricate rhythms I just feel like it really satisfied like it's also why I love solving algebra I think Mm -hmm. for a very similar reason Mm -hmm. and um, recently my good friend Lorene Chesley in LA posted something on Instagram of herself in a tap class on a Saturday morning and I was like what where is this I need to go (laughs) Um, and I have just started doing it and it is like the best way to start a Saturday it's so great I don't have any expectations of like needing to be a tap master again it just feels so good to be moving my body in that way it's such a fun little artist date every Saturday morning yeah so much fun I'm gonna need some Instagram videos (laughs) putting that out I mean just get ready for some like tall lankiness (laughs) and like flailing limbs like it's all there for you I'm ready um okay Christina still keeping that table turned what's something random you learned in school that you've never forgotten so good. Okay. So <laughs> Miss White, fifth grade teacher, loved her. She has burned some things into my brain. I don't know <sighs> what her skill was, but bless, have not forgotten them. And chief among them are all of the presidents in order. Wow. All the states, all the capitals. She basically had us like learn them to a rhythm while dancing around the circle. In like the uh, classroom over and over again, we'd add a couple every couple of days and it just stuck. It stuck 30 years later. It's oh insane. 25 years later. I don't actually know how old I am. Who um, knows? Kate, what, what is something random you learned in school that you've never forgotten? I'm so inspired by that kinesthetic learning approach. It's fantastic. Oh, totally. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, my long-term memory is far, far inferior to my short-term memory. (laughs) Um, I learned how to write a really mean five-paragraph essay that I've never forgotten at at St. Ignatius College Preparatory. I would say another just visual memory that I have of a teacher is of my math teacher, my algebra teacher, freshman year, Mr. C. Murphy, also at St. Ignatius, when he was teaching us how to factor, like find a GCF. He -hmm. called it gleaning the word like G L E A N I N G, which is just Mm -hmm. the word. And he would just do this gesture where it looked like his hand was a claw and it was pulling one of those stuffed animals out of those machines. (laughs) And he would just go gleaning. And I swear to you, I just, I, I am clearly a visual learner because I've never forgotten how to glean a number out of another one. So thank you, Mr. C. Murphy. (laughs) <laughs> oh my goodness, that is amazing. It's very inspired. Very, very sticky. <laughs> um, so Kate, bring it home. Question five. Give a shout out to a woman doing awesome things. Oh my gosh. Well, I would like to shout out my 
friend and former colleague, uh, Mel Caselas Ayer, who is just amazing in, in all ways. But Mel heads up the, the Disney family uh, channel, vertical platform, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. over at Disney Digital. And she has been working on this fantastic project that I hope I can mention. Um, you know what? I will just sort of hint at what it is. It's essentially um, helping middle schoolers sort of be walked through their dream jobs and figuring out the steps that they would need to take to kind of get there and imagine what it's like to have what might feel like a dream career, but actually could be a very doable career. And Mel has just been doing so much work um, in this way. And I can just tell that she's so ignited by it. And so I'd like to give an extra special shout out to Mel for um, teaching in her own way the possibilities Mm. of the future for, um, you know, these young adults. It's very, very exciting. So yay, Mel. Yay. Christina. Yeah. Who's a woman who's doing awesome things? Well, I got to tell you, her name is Megan Lemley, and she is the chief uh, operating officer, the COO of the Brooklyn Youth Chorus. Um, She also sang with me in Ensemble Campagno. She's amazing. Uh, And I recently went to a a concert they did, the Brooklyn Youth Chorus, called Silent Voices, If You Listen, um, at National Sawdust here in Brooklyn. And it was just absolutely astonishing um, that was, you know, their senior, I mean, they, they have tons of different like choruses within the Brooklyn Youth Chorus system, but this is like their their topmost kind of senior high school cho- chorus, mostly girls. Mm. Um, and they were singing all original, you know, new compositions by all these female composers, um, which also tangentially made me realize how little choral music I think I've ever sung or experienced by female composers. But it was a beautiful uh, experience and really inventive program. And I was just so excited that Megan was part of that and is part of the leadership team over there and also just makes me want to have a kid that's old enough to be in the Brooklyn Youth Chorus as soon as possible. (laughs) Uh, So just huge kudos to Megan and to uh, everything that Brooklyn Youth Chorus is doing for, you know, kids in New York City learning music and learning, learning singing. So... That is so awesome. Snaps to Megan. Hooray, Megan. Well, thank you to everybody for uh, helping us appreciate uh, our teachers, teachers Mm -hmm. of others, and for all of the continued work being done to uh, lift up the generations below us and, hey, maybe teach our colleagues stuff too or people who are older than us. Why not? Why not? Always be learning, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's that's how that one goes. (laughs) Until next time. (laughs) Talk to you then, Christina. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. I'm going to go there on this because this is 
<laughs> people that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in exactly. to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, right. which is different than empathy, yeah. right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.